God is so good. This is a verse that um, I'm reminded of when we sing that song. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. He's anointed us, He set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts. We are stamped and we are His. And uh, we are anointed. And I think that's some powerful words. So that's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, towards the end of the chapter there. <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. Today, that's kind of how I feel, is uh, I feel blessed by the Lord and the things that I've been seeing in life, as far as people I've been interacting with um, and connecting with, um, they don't necessarily have a relationship with the Lord, and as a result, their life looks a lot different than mine, and uh, because of that, I have uh, felt overwhelmed by God's blessing in my own life and thankful and been like... God, uh, I just don't know how to express my gratitude to you for the forgiveness that you've granted to me, but I am so thankful because you've saved me from so much turmoil and trouble and distress. You know, we really, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you really are blessed. And you might have a tough life once in a while or have struggles in life because in this life you will have troubles, Jesus said in in John chapter 14. But we have the King, and we have a friend in Jesus, and we have hope, and we have peace that can go beyond all understanding that's promised to us, and we have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And God can give us His favor and just orchestrate and work in our lives, and I'm just very, pull it away, okay, I'm just very grateful to have this relationship with Jesus. And so that's where I'm at. And I just want to say a prayer regarding that as I start off this morning and with this message. God, I thank you again for your salvation. I thank you for your favor and your blessing and your grace that's upon me. Because I am nothing. And um, I am a sinner who deserves judgment. And God, your love and forgiveness is so good. And I just thank you for calling me to be your child. And who am I to share your words, your scripture, with your church? God, I'm just a humble servant. And I pray that um, you would use me for your glory this morning. And I pray, God, that we would uh, be more equipped after this morning to share you with people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we as the church, we are... We are investing. Did you know that? We are investing in uh, the people of Peon, Haiti. Um, and I thank you so much for your financial investment in, in, in providing for this team. We're also investing in missionaries. And so our investing is giving to make a difference in people's lives 
in all different communities, whether it be in Mexico with the Eagers who we support, whether it be with Jay and Melissa Erickson, and I can't say the country that they live in, Tajikistan or something like that, um, whether it be the Eagers in Mexico, whether it be uh, Guy and Kayla the, uh, with the Glaro people, whether it be Bala, um, and uh, whether it be the Filipino people with Colin Edwards, but we are investing and we are giving. And the Bible teaches us this, this uh, philosophy, or this principle, shall I say. It teaches us that we will reap what we sow. And that has been something that's been uh, on my heart the last few weeks as I have listened to uh, some other preachers. But we will reap what we sow. And so that's kind of the first part of this morning. So I want you to look, you don't have to turn there, but Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9 says this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We will reap what we sow when it comes to doing good or when it comes to doing evil, is what it says here in this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 speaks about reap and sow when it comes to money. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So regarding money and giving, the Bible teaches us that we will reap what we sow. And 1 Timothy chapter 6.19 teaches something very similar to that. It talks about treasure. It talks about rewards that we receive in heaven. With the things that we do here on this earth, whether it be good, or whether it be living generously, or whether it be a life of sharing. But the point is, we reap what we sow. Luke 6.38 Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed, a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So, same principle: what you reap, you will sow. This summer, uh, I guess I should say this: congratulations. Summer break has started for you teachers. I'm glad you got through the school year. <clears throat> And for students, I'm excited for you because there's nothing greater than having summer break. But I've been thinking about this summer and how you will spend your free time, students and teachers. Some of us will take vacations. Some of us will work on work projects at home or whatever it is. In a sense, we kind of have some extra free time. Well, before the summer takes off and it's soon over... I want us to consider how we might invest our time and how we might invest our resources. I want us to take to heart and plan ahead. What are we going to do with our summer? What are you going to do with your summer? Maybe you already have plans. 
Who will you invest in? Who will you spend time with? How will you spend your money? What will you do? Especially with a thought of, we reap what we sow. Something that God's been teaching me is, I still have young kids at home. And if we reap what we sow, Brandon, maybe you need to be pouring even more into your kids. We have... uh, we have uh, gifts right at home. Our, our families right at home that we can pour into and invest into. And what would it life be like if we pour more and more into our kids? Teaching them the way of God. Spending more time with them having fun. Um, playing with them. What's that going to do in the end if the Bible teaches us we reap what we sow? I think it's going to create healthy relationships within our family. I think it's going to create opportunities in our future to be able to speak into our kids' lives. Great wisdom when they're older. I think there's going to be less hardship and troubles. And I think we'll have kids who are equipped to live for the glory of God if we're willing to simply invest into our kids, spend time with them, into our grandkids. Into somebody's life. We have great opportunities. It's also a scary thought to think that we reap what we sow when it comes to what our kids could look like. Or if we don't spend time with them. Well, sowing is an agricultural term. So we think of sowing seed in the ground. And the general idea is, you sow a lot of seed, you reap a lot of harvest. And I call that a general idea especially with the weather that we have, praying the farmer's seed doesn't just rot in the ground. But we can also choose to not sow very many seeds. And then obviously we won't reap much harvest. Um, In the parable of the sower, the seed was the word of God. In Luke chapter 8 verse 11 it says, the seed is the word of God. And my question to you is this. How many spiritual seeds do you plan to sow this summer? How many spiritual seeds do you plan to sow this summer? I heard a pastor say recently, he told a story of a guy who went and sowed a seed. Yeah, I did that once. I shared Jesus with a person and they rejected me. They didn't want anything to do with it. That's all I've done. Well, have you seen anybody from your witness? Have you seen anyone come to know Christ? No. I just shared that one time. And it talks, too, about the fact you sow what you reap. Man, we need to sow more seeds. If we sow more seeds and share the gospel with more and more and more people, then we're going to obviously reap a harvest. And I challenge us to think about that this summer. Take some time. God's given you maybe some extra time. Take that time and be willing to sow more spiritual seeds, the word of God into people's lives. And maybe this summer, we will see people come to know Christ. I visited Charlotte Negley yesterday. She's in the hospital. Pray for her. She she turned 92 on the 30th. She's a great lady, and she loves the Lord deeply. She asked that people would pray for her in this regard, that God would take her home to be with Him, if it's His will. She doesn't want to go if it's not His will. But she's ready to go. She talked a lot about what her uh, memorial service would look like. What would be shared in it. 
And then she said a few other things too. She said, well, I, uh, I feel like I'm planting some seeds over there at Red Oaks. She said, there was this male nurse over there and I, I gave him a tract. I don't know if it was a tract or a book or what it was. And he took it for a moment and then he set it back down with the pile of them that were there. And he said, I'll come back for it later. She goes, I know how many were there. I'm gonna, if I get back there, I'm going to count and see if he is sincere. <laughs> she said, I'm sharing. I, I feel like the seeds I'm planting into this young girl who claims to be Buddhist, I feel like it's going somewhere. I feel like it's making a difference. Maybe I'll be able to talk to her too. And then she made another comment that stood out to me. As she's thinking about going to see the Lord. She says, I pray that the Holy Spirit works like he's never worked before in our church. I thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. It was a good visit with her. But I thought, God, I wonder if you still have some work for her to do here. She's planting seeds, she's praying, she's sharing, and she's 92 years old and she loves Jesus. And that's super exciting. So you can pray for Charlotte. She's at Graham Hospital right now. Um, I just challenge us that we would be thinking about um, putting more seeds out there like Charlotte is. I want to turn to John chapter 4. Would you turn with me? John four thirty four. John four thirty four through thirty eight. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Uh, this is when Jesus is at the, well, the, at the well with the woman, the Samaritan woman. and Jesus is in discussion with his disciples regarding food and he says uh, I'm, I'm good food wise and the disciples are wondering if someone came and gave him some food and fed him but Jesus says my food basically is this to do the work of God that's what I'm about to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work Jesus was a man on a mission and he knew what his mission was and he was intense on, on, on doing it and he was going to be about it and he knew that we're sowing and we're reaping and that's what's happening. And I, I uh, also see in here that the fields are ripe for harvest. And what can that mean other than people are ready to receive? Ready, ready to repent. Matthew nine thirty seven through 38 says this. When 
Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. God's calling us to be workers in his harvest field, to go out and sow and to sow. And I believe that God makes it grow. And then when it's ready to be reaped, he gives us opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ. He chooses to use us to lead others to Christ. Philemon 1.6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I pray that you will be active, that you will be doing something, sharing your faith. Okay, what do you believe? And is it your faith? Is it your mother's faith, your father's faith, or is it your faith? Do you have faith in Jesus? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you sowed the seed of word, the seed, the word of God in someone's heart? See, Jesus knew his mission and he was intense about doing it. Do you know your mission? Turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28:18 Jesus has died, Jesus rose again. Jesus spends some time on the earth appearing to his disciples and to over 500 people. And then Jesus brings them to a mountain and his disciples says, "Then Jesus came to them," verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations." Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the earth. Jesus gave his disciples a mission and it was to go make disciples. A disciple is a learner, a follower. He wants more followers and learners of Jesus. And he's called his disciples, you go and make disciples of all nations. That's why I'm thankful to be able to go to Haiti or to go to other places to be able to make disciples of not just Canton, but of all nations. And Jesus also told the disciples that the Spirit will come and when the Spirit comes, you will have power. Power to be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I have called you to do the work to be my witnesses. That's what we are to do. That's what God has called us to do. Our shirts, our shirts that we have, the Haiti shirts, on the back it says this verse, Go and make disciples of all nations, in Creole, in their language. And so we wanted the people over there, the students over there, to be able to read that and see that. And I wanted that to be the forefront of our mind, that we are about making disciples. That's what Jesus, that's what Jesus has called us to do, to make disciples. This summer, I'm just challenging you to think about how are you going to use your summer to make disciples? How are you going to do that? And so right now, you may be saying, Brandon, okay, I got it. That's the commandment, and that's what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know how to do it. 
I don't want to raise of hands, but my question to you is this. Have you ever led anyone to Jesus Christ? How many of you have led someone to Jesus Christ? Don't raise your hands, but how many of you led someone to Christ? How many of you have shared your faith before? How many of you have shared your testimony with someone before? Is that something that we're doing on a regular basis? I think it's something that we need to be doing. Because we have an awesome Savior who's done great things for us. And when you have good news, you should be willing to share it. It was Memorial Day. And I'm not saying this to brag, but I'm only saying this to be as an example to maybe help. Because what I want to do now is I want to do a little training or equipping on how can I share my faith. So it was Memorial Day. It was like 7.50. I'm in Menards buying some materials. One of my favorite places to go. And... uh, it's 7.50. The place is like dead. There's like no one. I was kind of surprised. There's no one around. Ten minutes till closing time. And there's three guys helping me out in the backyard to pick up my materials. You usually don't get three guys. You might get one. I had three because they were bored. No one was around. Ten minutes left. This guy, Andrew's helping me out. I said, Andrew, how long, you li- how long have you worked here? Ah, what do you mean? At this store or from an arts? I said, yeah, both. He says, yeah, I've worked for Menards for about three years, been here for a month. So, yeah, what are you doing in life? Well, I'm kind of in a situation right now, I'm just trying to get my life back in order. I said, oh, really? I don't have a lot of time, Menards is closing really soon. I'm not going to take their time in the sense of, like, they should be doing their job. But there was no one around, so they were, you could tell they were all bored. And so I just shot them straight, real quick. I said, Really? trying to get your life in order i said do you believe in jesus all right that was just right to it right i don't have any quick tricky ways of doing it i just said you believe in jesus and i just said because he really he really changed my life he's really made a difference in my life if you're trying to get your life in order i think that'd be helpful well i'm not much of a religious guy i said no i'm not either i said but i i am about a relationship with god And looking back on that, I wish I could change my answer. I wish I could have said, you know what? Jesus isn't religious either. He really didn't like the religious people. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. He he kind of went against the religious people of the day. I should have said that. And I would have focused back on Jesus again. Um. But he told me that he, he was a foster kid. He was thankful for life. He'd been in foster care all of his life. He had like a Muslim dad and a mom who had some other beliefs. And um, he told me he believed in, how do you say it, Bill? Va- what? Valhalla Vikings. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he shared with me just a little bit. As I'm sharing with Andrew, remember there was three guys there. This guy, this kid, he's a young kid, Nate, you could just see like his eyes got big. When I said, do you believe in Jesus? His eyes got big and he was like listening. And I thought, okay, I'm either teaching Nate how to share Christ because he's saved or Nate wants to know Jesus. And so I knew Andrew was kind of my focus, but I knew Nate was tuned in and So one thing I decided to do was, 
Okay, I don't know anything about this Valhalla Vikings, and it was time to go. Bernard's is now closed. I don't know, it's time to go. <clears throat> I said, well, Andrew, uh, I challenged you with something. Would you read just three chapters of the Bible? Um, I said, the Bible's a really long book, man, just three chapters, that's it. John 8, 9, and 10. Just read those. John 8, 9, 10. Try to remember that. I said, wait, I don't know anything about the, the Vikings or how to spell that. Can I put that in my, in my notes on my phone? And then I'll read about that. And then I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do some studying about that. I don't know anything about it. <clears throat> then I turned to Nate and I said, Nate, what do you believe? I, I believe in God. Said, Great. Well, what do you believe about Jesus? I wouldn't be here without him. I believe that Jesus, he says, I believe that Jesus died and rose for me, for my sins. And I was like, awesome. That's why he tuned in, because he's a believer. I just share that story with you because I don't necessarily have all the tricky ways or necessarily the awesome ways to be able to share Jesus with people. But I know that Jesus has made a difference in my heart. and He's made a difference in my life. And just to be out there and just share, hey... What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about the Bible? And then let people know that, hey, oh, that's what you believe? I don't know anything about that. I need to learn about whatever is called Valhalla Vikings. I need to learn about that because I may come in contact with Andrew again. And that's my prayer and goal when I go to Menards. If I see Andrew, I want to be able to say, man, I read up on it. Did you read John 8, 9, and 10? I did my reading. Did you do yours? And then we can talk about it together. Um, hopefully just 10 minutes before Menards and there are not very many people there. <laughs> but how can I share my faith, Brandon? Because I've never done it before. And I want to talk to you. I want to tell you just a few things. There's four eyes. When I was a little kid, I was four eyes. I did not like going to the eye doctor. But there's four eyes, okay? And the first one is this. Intercede. You know what intercede means? It means pray. So we need to talk to God about our friends before we talk to our friends about God. Alright? So if you have a friend, a neighbor, if God's laying someone on your heart this summer that you need to invest time into, start praying for them now. Pray, pray, pray. Pray every day. God, save them. God, work in their heart. God, convict them of their sin. God, your Bible says, I think it's in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Maybe it's 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4, but it says that the devil is blinding the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, remove the blinders from their eyes so that they may see the light and understand who Jesus really is. Pray, pray, pray. Pray for these people. Intercede for them. God's called us to, to be alert and to be in prayer in Colossians. The very end of Colossians. I have it written down somewhere. Colossians 4.2. To be alert and to be in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. We need to be people of prayer. The second I is invest. God loved us so much. He cares about us, and He cares about our friends. That He gave His one and only Son. He gave His one and only Son. He invested in us. And God's called us to invest in people's lives. This summer, who will you invest in? 
Who will you spend time with? Who will you pray for? Who will you spend money on? Will it be your kids, your grandkids? Will it be a neighbor? Will it be a friend? Or is it, I don't have a clue and I need to ask God to show me who. But we need to pray for them. We need to invest time, money. God was willing to give his life. Okay, I think of the invest as this. If you can't read it, it says love. Love that person. Not because you're trying to treat them as a project to get saved. Love them as a person because God loves them. And they're going to be your friend whether they get saved or not. Invest in them and love them. So pray for them. Invest in them by loving them. Giving them gifts. Whatever it is. Uh, Next one is intersect. By the way, what I'm teaching you right here is what we're going to train them in Haiti. Alright? This is part of what we're training them in Haiti. I thought this would be helpful for you to connect with what's going on in Haiti. Intersect. Intersect Jesus into the, we can say, either relationship or conversation. Okay, I don't have much of a relationship with Andrew and Nate at Menards, but I had a re- I had a conversation with them, and it was a conversation, not a preaching time. And I think that's important too. There needs to be time of talking, but there needs to be time of listening as well. Whenever you talk with the people that you love and care for, and that you want to know Jesus, so how are you going to intersect Jesus into the relationship? And sometimes that's the hard thing to do. How are we going to talk about Jesus? I had 10 minutes to do it at Menards. I didn't have a lot of time, but I wanted to talk about him. Okay? You may have lots more time, and I pray that you do. But one way that you can intersect Jesus into the relationship is this. Your testimony. If you struggle to talk about Jesus in your relationship, okay, I have two, two things I want to do, I want to share with you. Number one, I want you to remember what God said in Matthew 28, verse 19, or verse 20. I think it's 20. He says, And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I read, I think it was 2 Corinthians 1 earlier, that he placed the Holy Spirit inside of us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to come. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. If you don't know what to say, you do this. God, I don't know what to say. And I need help because I want to talk about you. And ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you these words. So there's no like magic answers on this. Just go to the God that you have a relationship with and say, God, tell me what to say. Give me the right words. And then allow Him to lead you. And then I have a second thing. So that's number one. Second thing is, if you don't know what to say, or you don't know how to talk about Jesus... I challenge you with the Acts 4.20. I preached on it a long time ago. Acts 4.20. It's Peter and he says, You guys can tell me not to talk about Jesus, but I just can't help to share what I have seen and what I have heard. Okay? How can you talk about Jesus more in your relationships? Spend more time with Jesus. And you'll learn, Holy cow, I'm a sinner. And he chose me. And I'm so thankful. 
my life is different. And you'll, so, you'll fall so in love with Jesus because you spent so much time with Him that you will not be able to help but to talk about Him. It may be awkward. It may be out there. But you're just going to do it. So those are my two like most basic things. Holy Spirit, depend on Him, and spend time with Jesus. But what's a, a tool in your toolbox that you can pull out to really bring Jesus into a conversation? Your testimony. And I want to tell you just a real quick little testimony training. Your testimony needs to have the gospel in it. Alright? Your testimony needs to have the gospel. And there's three parts to a testimony. Please have all three parts. One part may be longer than the other, but you need all three. Does anybody know the three parts of a testimony? Before? What God, how God changed my life? Before, I just say it this way, before, during, after. Before, during, after. So, what was my life like before I knew Jesus? How did I come to the point of understanding that God loved me and gave his life for me and I chose to believe in him? And then how has he made a difference in my life? If Jesus has made no difference in your life, um, maybe the guy you're telling your testimony to won't want to change either. So it's important to share how has God changed your life and made a difference. You know, my testimony, I can say it really quickly, basically. Um, About eight years old, I started going to church. I learned I was a sinner. And I learned that I uh, deserved death. I deserved hell because of my sin. And I began to feel bad about my sin. And I knew that I wanted to go to heaven. And I started learning in Sunday school at church that Jesus died and that Jesus rose again. And that I needed to choose to believe in Him, confess my sins, and follow Him. And so I was praying with my parents this one night in bed. We kind of had this thing where we got together and prayed. And so after... After we prayed as a family, they talked to me about, Brandon, do you want to go to heaven? Do you understand you're a sinner? And I said, yes, I want to go to heaven. And so that night I asked the Lord, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and I want to live for you. And since then, my favorite thing about God is that he guides me. He leads me. And I realize more and more um, how much I need to trust in him and depend upon him. And I'm thankful that his Holy Spirit is there and... um, I know this, I once was afraid to go to hell, but now I know I'm destined for heaven forever because Jesus gave his life for me and I said, I choose you. And so there's my testimony, just real short. But you can have testimonies that are just not about your salvation. You can have testimonies of, I saw God work in my life last week. I saw God work in my life yesterday. And you can share those too. Those are real stories that people are going to hear and listen to. Okay, lastly... Intercede, invest, intersect. What do you think the last one is? Yeah, way to go, Cassidy. Invite. There's two parts to invite. You need to invite them to, know, to, to, to come to know Jesus as their Savior. Does anybody know the gospel? What is the gospel? Thank you. Awesome. We are the Good News Church. Did you know that? Evangelical comes from the word euangelion. Euangelion is this Greek word that's evangelical. And it basically means good news. 
So if you don't like to say the word evangelical, you can just say good news. Alright? The gospel is the good news. What is the good news? Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. You guys are equipped. You can go share Jesus. Alright? You got it. That's all you need to know. Blind guy. How did you get healed? I have no idea. I just know that once I was blind and now I can see. I don't know how he did it. You, sinner, how did you get to heaven? I don't really understand it. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. I believe. That's all I, that's all I know. You know, and it can be as simple as that. That's the gospel. You guys have the truth. You have the hope, alright? So I want to share with you now how you can share it quickly. I didn't tell you to bring your eraser. No, we're good, that's it. Romans 6, 23. Now I know there's a lot of you that have this memorized. Ed, you have this one memorized? Romans 6, 23. That's 3, 23. That's right. God gave his husband and wife. We compliment each other. Way to go. That's good. So we have 323 for the for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, okay? But this is 623. For the wages of sin is death. And this is called the bridge diagram. So all you little kids can learn this. Adults can learn this. And you can share Jesus with your friend. This is napkin evangelism. At lunchtime, you can draw on a napkin. Alright, you got this side. You got this side. Okay. Memorize that verse. For the wages, right, wages. Sin is what? Death. For the wages of sin is death, but gift of God is what? Eternal life. Through through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right there. There's the gospel. For the wages of sin is death. A wage is something you earn. You have to work for it. And when you work, you get paid. Congratulations. You're a sinner and you just got death. And that's what we get paid. But when, it's, when it comes to God, He gives us a gift. It's nothing that you can earn. And you may focus on Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 right here. And you may talk about there's no good works that you can do to get, you, get, get, get to heaven. It is only a gift of God. And the gift that He gives you is eternal life. There is nothing you can do in and of yourself to get there. Other than just trust in Jesus Christ who died and rose again. Is that all I need to do? Just share the gospel with them? I need to invite them to believe. And this is a point where you need to say, where do you feel that you're at? Do you feel you're on this side? Where life is in your hands, under your control, and your wages, sin, it's going to be death? Or do you feel like you're on this side? And you know what I have a lot of people say? Eh, I'm kind of in the middle. No, there's no middle. You're on one or the other. Where are you at? And then there's a second question you can ask. Where would you like to be? And if they say they'd like to be here, you say, would you like to pray and receive Christ now? You can do that. 
You can guide them through that prayer. You can ask them if they want to pray. That's my most exciting time is when they actually say, yeah, and I'm going to pray right now. And they just do it from their heart to the Lord. And I think that's awesome. Well, this is, this is what we're going to be training in Haiti. And I want you to consider this summer. I want you to consider this summer who you will sow into. Who um, you will spend your time with. And who does God want you to share Jesus with?